Mike, I'm so excited. Me too, Matt. This is it. This is the first official episode of Hoot and a Half. I'm Matt King. And I'm Mike Sheffer. And this is a dream come true. I've always wanted to start a podcast where I have conversations with the people in my life, the people that I love, the people that I look up to, whether it's other internet folks, actors, musicians, artists, you name it. And I just wanted to deliver these conversations to you guys, and I hope that you enjoy it. And the first guest we have on today is a good, close, dear friend of mine, and also one of my like childhood dream friends. It's the actor Josh Peck. And I've known him for a long time, and you may know him from YouTube or Drake and Josh, or also one of my favorite movies, Snow Day. Um, and also, I wanted to give you guys a heads up that this conversation was recorded way earlier this year. When exactly, Mike? It was back in late January, I think it was. Yes, so it was pre-corona. So don't think that Josh Beck has been to my house or we've been hanging out arm-in-arm uh, arm with each other. No, we've been doing our part, staying apart, being very smart about it. So just to clear the air about that. But... Without further ado, enjoy the very first episode of Hoot and a Half with Josh Peck. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're in a safe space here. I love it. And uh, yeah, I think we'll just hop right into the conversation, you know? Yeah, let's do it. You don't even need to have an intro. Mike's on it too? Yeah. Mike's on at two. I'm the co-host, baby. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's going to participate. He's going to be here. Just This whole podcast has just been elevated exponentially. Oh, Josh, thank you. I know what you have to offer. Thank you, Josh. You're welcome. I look into your eyes and I can see it crystal clear. (laughs) <laughs> he's the best that's why i love having mike around he keeps me like in check and like yeah he's just yeah he's my backbone great perspective do, or do we start with like oh we haven't even done vocal warm-ups do you do vocal warm-ups before your podcast josh sometimes let's hear what's your, what's your go-to vocal warm-up so i like unique new york unique new york unique new york Try you know it. you need unique new york do you do that edition i didn't even know that exists oh yeah well like when we did Theater, like in high school, we were like, unique New York, unique New York. You know you need unique New York. That's good. Should I try it? I, I Yeah, let's, let's hear it. <clears throat> unique New York, unique New York. You know you need unique New York. There it is. I was of what to do to die today at a minute or two till two. A thing distinctly hard to say, but harder still to do. Do you know this one? No. For the beat a tattoo of the rat a tattoo of the rat a tattoo tattoo and the dragon will come when he hears the drum. At a minute or two till two today. At a minute or two till two. What? Yeah, that was a fun one. It, we did it every day in uh, theater class growing up. That, that's that. It's too much. It's intimidating. <laughs> it is. It's it is. Much. But it, when you have an opportunity to show it off, mm. then that's then that's when I gotta bust it out. We used to do red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, lavender leather. Did you ever do that one? I have all these additions you don't have. You're going to walk away with a whole new bank of vocal warm-ups, Josh. <laughs> what were they teaching in Texas over there, Matt? Well, we had to get over our southern accents, and so mm. they were doing anything just to bust us out of that. Have you ever worked on non-regional dialect? N- a not what a non-regional dialect. It's what how is that? newscasters sound. Oh. Like they're from nowhere. Like a like a transatlantic accent? Sure. But didn't they have to like talk like they uh, radio announcers back in the day had that like distinct voice but it was because it was hard to hear people over like the distortion of like old radios back then. So that's I'd be like, welcome, you're listening to the main event. Everybody here tuning in live because it was like you had to really draw out your consonants and all of that. But what it do, what is a non-regional accent then? 
I, I wouldn't even know how to do it. First of all, you just blew my mind with that, that there was actually a reason, which would make perfect sense, for why their voices were like this. Coming, coming to the stage, we've got Mike Schaffer, you know, young Jewish male. <laughs> <laughs> so for you Semitic crowd, get excited. It's one of your own. Mike Schaffer. Um, that's fascinating, but uh, a, a non-regional dialect, yeah, it sounds like Tom Brokaw. It sounds like... Katie Couric. Okay. Someone yeah. who's not specifically from a region in the United States. You can't say, oh, he's from Boston or he's from Texas. It's just like even keeled, no accent, accent. Can you tell I'm from Texas? Little bit. Oh, a yeah. little bit? You have a baritone, a, like a, a a scooping and underpinning to your voice that kind of winks at you and says, hey, we do it better. In wow. Texas. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, because I'm from Dallas, Texas, and I don't think people from... Well, there's like a bit of a Dallas accent, but like if you grew up in Dallas and if your parents are like from the Midwest or they're transplants, you kind of lose it. How'd you like growing up in Texas or in Dallas specifically? Um, I don't. I didn't mind it. Mm. It was... I mean, it was an okay place to grow up. I mean, my heart's in Texas, but I always feel like I'm the worst kind of Texan. Like I've never owned cowboy boots. I don't got any calluses on my hands. Right. Like I don't fit the identity of it. I'm a pretty soft Texan. Yes. But my heart's still there. But you, you grew up in New York, Manhattan, yes. right? You're a Manhattan boy. Me and Mike, we were we were orbiting each other. Northeast Jews. Yes. That's right. Oh, yeah, you're Jewish as well. Oh, you're loving this whole yeah. apartment right now. Mike is the best Jew I know. And you're neurotic enough to be Jewish, man. I have, okay, <laughs> I have Jewish FOMO. Like, I always, I, 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 I love Judaism, and I... Always see Mike practicing it so well, mm. but I'm always like, "What do? Oh, am I missing out on something here?" Like we are clannish, so I can understand being jealous. And, it, it, and you guys don't recruit as much as Christians do, right? Oh no, I mean Mike can speak to this more specifically. But if you want to convert to Judaism, part of it is that the rabbi has to turn you away a certain amount like of times. Like three times, correct. I think. Whoa, yeah, look at you guys. I know. Start, I, starting I, a little Talmud <laughs> class here. Mm. <laughs> Tell us, Mike, what's wh what's the protocol? That, no, you're exactly correct. If you want to convert, you have to be asked three times. And after the third time, if you still ask a fourth time, that's when we can start teaching someone who wants to be Jewish. But it's not because we don't want other people. It's just to be Jew is a lot of work, and you, you have to really want it. Are they a little sympathetic if it's like someone's marrying a Jewish uh, spouse and they got to convert for that? Are they like, okay, well, we, got, we know that you're going to get married to one of our own here, so we want you to become Jewish, or can anybody really like – come well, off the streets and be like I think it's away. all the same like yeah. it's a level playing field but they must have stole that from the Buddhists right because isn't that a big thing where you had to hang out outside the doors of the monastery and like, yeah. for like days if they <laughs> wanted to teach you the meditations and all that yeah. right I think so did you have a bar mitzvah growing up you better believe what it. was what Whoa. was the theme <laughs> obviously Broadway Broadway <laughs> yes you, Broadway themed it, and each table had like its own uh musical themed or uh it's so fucking embarrassing and I resent my mother wholeheartedly for allowing this to happen she basically <laughs> forced it on me I wanted it to be Star Wars and <laughs> she just was like no no that goes against our aesthetic <laughs> <laughs> that goes against my grand design to push you into showbiz. But I feel like there'd be Star. <laughs> I feel like there'd be Star Wars decorations more accessible at your local party city than finding musical specific decorations for your party. A hundred percent. But what was your favorite musical during that time? I don't know. You know, like most Jews, I had an affinity for you know Fiddler on the Roof and <laughs> you know Man of La Mancha. But I, you know, I did a forty-five minute show in the middle of my bar mitzvah. A one-man show? No, a duet with my mother. <laughs> <laughs> wow. A one, 45 minutes. I no mean, intermission. That's, like, a, that's an entire first act. And yeah, and how do you keep like... <laughs> <laughs> that's the most Jewish mother thing I've ever heard in my life is your own bar mitzvah. You now have to perform with her a 45-minute... Did she? Who, what, what did you perform? Was it yeah. a written play was it that you Was it scored? Wrote? Did you have like a whole like... We need Pit. all the, we need all the details. Yeah. Josh. We we started with I'm sure some songs our go-tos, you know, we're going to go through it together. Everything's coming up roses, <laughs> a comedy tonight, and then I did like 15 to 20 minutes of stand up. And then my mom came on back for the encore of, of another two or three songs. She probably did one alone. 
Um, my mom. Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> no, dish it out. Tell us. My mom has a th- a standing thing that's only stopped since I turned like thirty three. That she would sing "My Best Boy" to Aww. me at every birthday. Wow. Which she did. In front of a hundred of our closest friends and family. She's a good singer, though. She is a good singer. Like, she's like a performer at heart, you think? Very much. Did she have any, like, uh, theatrical background, like, uh, growing up and stuff? Or before you, I guess? Yes, she was uh, an unrealized performer with a lot of a lot of talent, and perhaps like with the right rearing, could have been something like she could have been a great Broadway star. She loves to like perform. She's like wonderfully big, like, <laughs> appropriate for the stage, right? And she has a beautiful voice, but she just didn't have the support. So when she saw her like chubby little son with an affinity for a song and dance, she's like, "You got starlight in the <laughs> eyes, kid. I can see it." Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you were going to auditions at a pretty early age, I th- right? Like uh, about 10, 10 years 10 old. years old. Yes. And oh, we <laughs> well, um how's your uh, your career with uh, entomology going? The study of entomens. it hurts so To bad. give you guys some context before Josh came over. And Josh, I'm sorry, but we had to. Please. We were looking up old uh, just Josh Peck appearances. And one of your first times on TV, um, correct me if I'm wrong, was on the Rosie O'Donnell show. You're right. And you Ten went up old. and gave a, a hot five. Of some stand-up comedy, ten years old, bro, and it was ama- We laughed. It was like genuinely funny. It was incredible. It was hilarious. It, Thank like, you. Did you? So Can I, you walk, yeah, just you we walk need to us hear through. Story. Like, how did that act come about? Were you performing in nightclubs real late? Like, or uh, <laughs> I love this sign of questioning, and <laughs> it, it is. It's actually a fun story. So I, I and I'll, I'll tell it, it. You know, I'll give you the highlights, which was basically. We moved to New York. I've just been doing like very sort of classical kids like uh, theater and nothing professional. And one day I'm looking in Backstage Magazine. My mom and I are broke and we get this magazine, which was like a newspaper for actors. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like reading through it because obviously I have dreams of acting. And like I just all of a sudden this like chubby kid who was shitty at Little League had something to be confident about because my mom's friends were like, you're good at this. Like, you're funny. Yeah. So I find this agent named Sid Gold at Gold Star Entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Sid. (laughs) God bless him. Still alive. God bless Sid. And he's like, you know, I uh, represent young comedians. I get them uh, some stage time. Perhaps this is something you would like to try. And so I get a hot five minutes of stand-up ready to go. And I start doing the clubs. And they're sneaking me in, you know, at at 11 o'clock at night so they don't lose their liquor license. (laughs) And I'm crushing. Like, half of it's because they can't believe that I'm there. And half of it's because I was like, this five minutes is good. It was. Yes, I I can't believe your poise and composure and, like, your sense of memory. If I was that age and I was put on the spot like that, I would forget It was It was like watching a savant child. Like, this guy is going to be a star. I Like, if you see (laughs) that video and then it's Josh Peck, it makes 100% sense. It was a work of art. And when you were young, were you nervous during this time? Or you already knew and you you just had the guts and you didn't care. You just loved making people laugh and pleasing them. Was it too young to have fear? Like, just utterly, you know. And I also was, there was like a level of mim- mimicking as far as like my mom went. So I would practice on her. And then she'd be like, you really want to put some razzle dazzle here, darling. <laughs> <laughs> there is a bit of that. There's that old school, like, uh, like the cat co- skills comedians from the 60s. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. It. And you really embody that. So, yeah, it's all me doing an impression of my mom who's doing an impression of Jackie Gleason on the honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and so I'll never forget it. The Rosie O'Donnell show was like the dopest shit. Oh yeah. It was like the pinnacle of a, yeah. Showtime or uh, talk show television during that daytime talk shows during that time. Yeah. I mean, it was like 10 o'clock. It was nothing that people had seen before because she came from the traditional, like she was a comedian. And I mean, there was like, you know, I don't know as far as daytime goes, but even like Johnny Carson or Dick Cavett, like they weren't comedians first. They were hosts first. Yeah. 
So to have Rosie be there as like a comedian and also like wonderfully domestic, like she had a crush on Tom Cruise and she mm-hmm. would shoot cush balls. Cush? <laughs> cush balls? I, I think, think one's so. a weed and one's a toy. <laughs> but she would like shoot like toys into the audience and and so we knew that she would find someone in the audience to introduce her every episode. So my mom gets tickets to the show and then this beautiful Jewish temptress we go to the show and she's got her eye out for anybody with a walkie talkie. <laughs> she's looking around, scanning, going, I know what I got here. I got a loaded gun. I just got to hand it to the right person. Right. So she finds this little Italian guy who's got a walkie talkie on and she's like, hey, I got this kid, kid comedian here. What a novelty. <laughs> <laughs> you want this kid to introduce the show. So he says, all right, well, tell me a joke, kid. And I give him one of my hot, you know, Entenmann's jokes. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, not bad, not bad. Five minutes later, we're in the green room for the show. And they're like, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to introduce her. And so, of course, now it's like my mom's like, all right, you're going to introduce her. But don't waste this opportunity. You got to put it on thick. (laughs) And, you know, and and I'll never forget, like. Hi, I'm Josh Peck from, you know, New York City. On today's show, Mike Myers, Robert Wagner, and John Cicada. Hit it, John. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. I, 23 years later, I remember. And then I, yeah, and then I was like, I'm, I'm going to have to do some stand-up. And I did, and it, it worked out. Wow. And your mom, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I kind of did a bit of Wikipedia research. <laughs> She's like a, is she a life coach or like a career Rear coach or she says that now she was a headhunter back in her day. Do you know what that is? I think Someone so. Who like you tries to find people to work for companies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So she had like an unemployment agency and worked out of our our house. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. But she was like uh kind of like a backbone. Did she like really like make you believe in yourself at a young age? Because like you were probably like going through so much where you were like. I don't know. I couldn't imagine the stress of being that young, and I couldn't imagine my mom trying to coach me in that position. She must have had just a really great way of working and connecting with you, right? Yeah, I mean, it was like, I I don't know your background as much, Matt, but I know, like, Mike, you know, comes from what sounds like a pretty solid home of, like, wonderful Jewish rearing with the brothers, and, like, I've met your brothers. They're all lovely. You're a gem. Thank you, thank you. And, like... And I had the antithesis of that in the respect of it was just me and my mom. I, you know, never met my pops. My mom was awesome, but being a woman in, you know, who worked for herself in the 80s, you know, uh, and 90s raising a kid, I imagine the the level of challenge she had to deal with was like sick. Mm -hmm. So she was like a lioness. Like, you did not cut off my mom in traffic. She would fuck you up. Like, (laughs) I, I mean, she her level of road rage at times was yeah. terrifying but she was fighting the world for her like little kid and so yeah like i think she was incredibly supportive of me and always gassed me up and part of it was just cuz she was a good mom and part of it was like a survivor thing like if i don't endow this kid with the confidence like there's no safety net for him yeah right like we can't you know there's no dad there's no extended family who's going to be there to catch him if he falls like it's just us so i got to make this kid like 100% self-reliant did you ever wish you had a uh, sibling growing up a father a say father it, say oh, it, oh, well no i, I i'm not going to go down the father <laughs> Every route day. a sibling oh yeah Oh yeah. Would you rather be like have an older sibling or a younger sibling? Like uh, anyone, Matt. Any- <laughs> um, I was the kid at sleepovers or even at playdates who cried when my mom came to pick me up. Oh, I didn't want it to be over. Man. <laughs> well, you already have one kid now. Do you plan on like wanting to grow a family and for him to have a buddy and give him what you you never had? Well, you, how many siblings do you have? I just have one brother, one younger brother, who's two years younger than me. Which I think is like a perfect uh, distance of like age. Because you didn't, you guys didn't com- compete that much. Oh, we did compete a mm. lot, um, but your friend groups kind of overlap and stuff. It just becomes like kind of fun. You really get to connect like yeah. as you get older and stuff. I don't know. Our friend circles were all the same, so I thought always thought it was like 
the perfect distance because you have the wisdom of being older, but it's not like you can't relate to them because they're like five years behind you, you know? Right. Yeah. So. And Mike, you have three siblings? Three younger brothers. Three younger brothers. within five years of each other. So it's basically like we're all the same age now. Growing Wait. up, it was it was like a domino. Me and Sam. Sam was born a year later. Daron was born a year and a half later. Then another year and a half later. So, wow. Yeah. Where's the fourth Sheffer? Where he? I don't know the fourth one. I don't think you've ever met him. Young Johnny. Johnny. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's Johnny. There's a bonus one. Johnny. Johnny Sheffer. Johnny. Sheffer, oh yeah. yeah. He's, Johnny's. He's in New York, but uh, he's got to come up more. You'll meet him one day. Um. um but but uh, I. What I. What I was gonna say is that I think, I would be. You guys will see if you if you want to have kids. You have one kid, and like if you're at all a person in our positions, which is like we don't have nine to fives, we you know knock on wood, we're able to like have some financial security and sustain a nice livelihood. Right. But we lack that security of knowing like we have a job to go to every day, and even if this job doesn't work out, if you worked at you know IBM for ten years, there's a good chance you'll find a job somewhere else, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you have one kid and you go and you figure it out and you're like, wow, this is totally doable. Like I'm able to make money and also be a present father. And like, this is a great balance. No need to throw another human (laughs) into this mix. Except that I think I am overly sensitive because I didn't have another human in the household to constantly break my balls. Like to... I think that siblings, because you on a daily basis have someone who's going at you, giving you a hard time, that there's just that natural bit of rivalry. I grew up with a bunch of 50-year-old Jewish women, right? (laughs) My mom and her friends, they all treated me like an equal. Yeah. So I always felt like compelled to be like, yeah, my opinion matters and, and don't talk down to me and I'm of like you know, of importance. And so then when kids at school would viciously make fun of me or even an adult I felt deemed was talking down to me, mm-hmm. I, I, it, I was finished. Like I found it devastating. Right. So I think had I had a sibling, I would have felt I would have been a little more well adjusted. Yeah, because we can tell that you're not well adjusted. I'm at a mess. All. It's your biggest flaw, Josh Beck. I'm too sensitive, though. <laughs> I don't want my kid to be ultra sensitive the way I, I was. But maybe I don't know. Are there kid, people with siblings who are ultra sensitive? Um, I mean, I'm still sensitive to this day. I think my brother's maybe a little bit more sensitive than me growing up, but which is weird because you probably terrorized. Him. Yeah, I did, but I was like kind terrorizing because it's like you see your you see so much of yourself in mm. your younger sibling. That you kind of like, it's this more revised version of you in a way. And they kind of like, they are, they know, I don't know. We don't talk about that. What? Look at me. You know that my bar mitzvah was Broadway themed. <laughs> and you're not going to qualify? This is me interviewing you, Josh. You can't get dig that personal into me. As this is po- on my time, my watch. As a fellow <laughs> podcaster, let me tell you as your audience, we want to know. Well, okay. We're dying to know. Well, okay, let's start with also when, do you remember when we first met? Uh, no. Yeah, I kind of don't either. Because you kind of like magically appeared in our whole like social group. Because I knew David yes. was like collabing with you. And I was like, oh my gosh, David's collaborating with Josh Peck. And then you just eventually, you know, appeared like around, you know, the house, us hanging out and stuff. But I was like kind of intimidated to uh, to really connect with you at first. Not because like, yes, you're Josh Peck. Yes, oh. you're from drake and josh but to be honest with you josh i wasn't that big of a drake and josh fan not because of the show i was just watching other shows during that time but you know what what? mtv shit real world no more even stevens i was more of a disney channel guy i get that but smart house bug juice all of that sure oh we could go down all bug juice brink wow bug Bug juice Juice. bug juice was the ultimate reality tv show it was like the real world before real world it was kids at summer camp And them following all of their trials and tribulations during summer camp. I love that show. But I was a big fan of you because of Snow Day. It's another classic. And I and I was so excited <laughs> when we started warming up our friendship. I'm like, I'm not gonna ask I'm not gonna ask Josh about Drake and Josh. I'm gonna ask him about Snow Day. Fair. Snow Day was one of my all time favorite movies as a kid. If you people listening do not know what Snow Day is, it was a Nickelodeon movie, but mm-hmm. it was released in theaters, came out in two thousand about some kids living, I think, in New York, 
hoping for a snow day, and the snow day finally happens. That's right. And coming from Texas, I didn't grow up with many snow days, but it would happen once a year, maybe once every two years. You get snow in Dallas? Yes, it would snow in Dallas. It would more like freeze or ice over, but one day out of the year, we would get like a few inches, and it was glorious. So it was like my anthem. I would watch that movie. It was my ritual, like praying and hoping a snow day would happen, and sure enough, now I'm sitting with one of the main cast members of Snow Day, and I think it is such a dream come true for me. It sounds like a country song, Snow in Dallas. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. But what's really funny is that you already said Man of La Mancha. Yeah. And one of my favorite lines from Snow Day is when you're like, Man, oh, Man of La Mancha, Principal Weaver. You hit Principal Weaver. Was that your line? Did you come up with that? Oh, no. You think I would be capable of that at 12 years old? Well, I got so excited to ask you this question because right when you said Man of La Mancha, I'm like, it's already coming out of him. <laughs> Can you believe Like one it? of my favorite lines that you say. I Did you watch Pete and Pete? Yes, up? I did. And it wasn't Snow Day originally a storyline that they were going to make from Pete and Pete, but yes. they scrapped it and they made original. Or Pete and Pete was one of those really... Did you watch it, Mike? No. It was like one of those weirdly, beautifully subversive kid shows. It was like the garden state of Nickelodeon if it were a TV show. It was pretty deep and like cool and like yeah. edgy. Uh, yeah, you're. Uh, that's a perfect uh, comparison because it was like watching an indie movie in a kids show. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so they had had these characters, and they were like, "Well, we don't want it to live in the Pete and Pete world. We want it to be a movie." So they sort of turned it into a screenplay. And I was twelve, right? And I, I tell this story a lot. I always would audition at Nickelodeon for like. I remember they were at fifteen fifteen Broadway, where like TRL and MTV is. And I always would go in there as like a kid actor with like this little agent for a Nickelodeon showcase where they would get like five kids together to perform for the executives or like a a commercial, whatever. And I would audition for all that all the time, which was like my dream. And I just never, they had never landed it. Never. I auditioned like nine times. Nine times. They didn't want the smoke. They clearly, they, they did, they the missed heat. out. They couldn't handle it. I was wondering that, like, thinking as I was, like, checking back up on you and everything that you've done, why you weren't on all that. Because you were on the Amanda Bynes show, right? Well, that was as a result of, I booked Snow Day, and, like, I had no idea that five days later, I'm, like, there with Chris Elliott. Oh, amazing actor. God, the cast in that movie. Chevy yeah. Chase. Chevy Chase. <laughs> Um, Pam Greer, Jean Smart, oh my God. The, the the girl from Entourage, Emmanuel, uh, Emmanuel, Whoa. oh yeah, like Claire Bonner was her name. Oh, so good, like so many fu- Iggy Pop. Is yes, Iggy Pop's <laughs> in the movie. This has been bananas. Must be bananas for your life as as a twelve year old. I had no idea. Like I, all I knew was like I didn't have any understanding of these people. I just knew that like I was finally in the the family that I was dying to be in. And, you know, Chris Elliott couldn't have been cooler. Chevy Chase, I imagine, was fine. (laughs) 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 Um, I didn't work with him much. But um, but the most revealing part of that was that the president of Nickelodeon at the time was this guy named Albie Hecht. And he would hang around the set and for some reason took a shine to the shit-talking chubby 12-year-old named Josh Peck. (laughs) And my mom, being the wonderful Jewish mother that she is, was like, yo, tell him you want to be on all that. Like, he likes you. And I mentioned it to him. And I'll never forget, like, 10 months later, the movie came out and we got a call from him over the weekend, which was something to the effect of, like, just want you to let you, let you know the movie's tracking really well. I think it's going to be a big hit. And also, I'm going to fly you and your mom to L.A. to be on The Amanda Show. And that was, like, the call that changed my life. Wow. Yeah. But you were like, but it's not all that. I 100% was that way. <laughs> I was like, what is this second tier? <laughs> You got there and there was like the trampoline from like they film all the intros on. Like, no, 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 no. Don't get on that. You're in Studio B. I'm like, Go over here. Like, I'm not trying to be on Mad TV. I'm trying to be on SNL. Yeah, right. <laughs> I actually preferred Mad TV, but you know. We all... uh, but do you, do you ever watch like those films again or you're just like, do you, you like, hate watching yourself? Like, or is it a. Uh... I don't know. How are you at watching yourself? I hate watching myself. Really? I rarely do. Like, even if I'm in a vlog, I'll try to find the clip, but it's sometimes days later. I don't try to uh, watch myself. It's a, just a weird feeling because then you're like, it's already out there. Right. If you don't like something, <laughs> deal with it, you know? But Yeah. And you're so 
it, you especially, and I can say of like many of the people in our friend group, you are pretty much unanimously loved. Like I oh. rarely see a comment where they're like, oh, little less Matt King, will ya? Like, <laughs> yeah, you are loved. And so it's fascinating that even you could be like, look at it and be like, Bleh. it is so strange, though, because I don't ever read the comments. But when I do. I'm He's overwhelmed. He's shocked by how nice yes. people are. Yes. I like, tell Mike, I'm like, I can't believe how nice people are to me in the comments. And that's kind of a good feeling. But, oh, wait. So you did Amanda Show. And then you were in another one of my favorite all-time childhood films, uh, Max Keeble's Big Move. I was. You were the boy with the robe. I was. I played robe. Yeah. You, you never took off the robe. It was just such an interesting experience because that too was like Larry Miller, who's a comedic genius, played the the principal, and Jamie Kennedy, who has always been hilarious and super famous, but at that time specifically was like at like one of his you know major heights in his career. And I'll never forget that he and I like got on pretty well on the first day we were talking shit to each other, and he like leans into me halfway through our first scene and goes, "Yo, bro, what's this movie about?" <laughs> and I was like, "Do you read the script?" He's like, "My parts." And I was like, "That's amazing!" Wow. And and I brought that up to him actually on my podcast that exact story, and he was like, "Yeah, that that sounds about right <laughs> that time." But um, it, yeah. But so you're young, you're on TV, you're in all of these great child movies. Yeah. But What's your social feeling? life? Like, how were you feeling? Did you have, were your friends, other kids in show business? Were you still keeping in contact with all your friends from back home? Like, were you going to school? Were you homeschooled? Like, what's your non-entertainment life like? Yeah. So I was going to a, a continuation type school. In New York, I went to performing arts high school from like sixth to ninth grade. And... I remember it was like a, a very distinct moment in my life because I'd been doing acting and whatnot all through elementary school, but I felt like kind of a freak, you yeah. know, and I wasn't good at any of the things that make you cool in normal school, like sports or I wasn't, you know, ultra academic. And I realized right before I went to middle school, my mom was like, there's this great performing arts high school. It's free on 48th Street. Do you want to try auditioning? Because they're holding auditions for the next semester. I did. I went and I remember walking through the hall on my first day and there are kids singing, belting at the top of their lungs oh and it's beautiful. And like you walk by another guy and there's like a kid with a trombone out of one of the classrooms. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I'm like, I, I found my people. Like I, I had finally felt like I'd come home and all of a sudden and like I was cool because like I had been in commercials and like I was like, oh, these are my people. Fast forward to when I moved to L.A., I tried going to regular school and managing that with working, and it just was not, it, again, it was right back into the normal school system where I just felt utterly um, misplaced. So, and were kids at school like, oh my gosh, Josh Peck from Snow Day, what's up, dude? No, they were like, what's up, snow idiot? <laughs> like, I was not, I had no clout, and it wasn't, and I was fat, and that was hard, and so I'm like going to this continuation school where basically you would like go in for a day or two every week. They would assign you work. You would do it at home and you'd come in and take tests. And it was this interesting free sponsored by the state of California continuation school for kids that didn't necessarily fit into the normal school system like child actors or like gang members. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, man. so you got like me and like, uh, you know, half of the Disney channel there taking a test next to some, you know, some pretty intimidating folk. Right, <laughs> like, right. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, just some people that definitely could have you know, beat me up easily. Yeah. Like, I would have not given them much of, of a fight. So, I, um, yeah, but it was, I always say this, like, the weird thing that, that it was my weird saving grace, even though it was pretty challenging throughout most of my adolescence, was that I was fat. Like, and thus, I never was, like, got too impressed with myself or ever allowed myself to get like too much into showbiz or that life or like trying to be a part of that world because I always was ultra insecure. So I felt confident in like being funny and getting to do this like very specific thing that I felt really lucky that I got to do what I loved at like a pretty high level as a kid. But as soon as it was over, I was running back to like 
my two best friends who lived in my apartment building complex in North Hollywood. And that was my life. Like I worked on set and then I did nothing Hollywood related the rest of the time. Okay. So it was like a very like normal kind of, you know, little street rat kid, you know, adolescence. Like yeah. we spent most of our days, like we'd walk to the, to the the there was like this great um, Chinese food restaurant near uh, the apartment building, and we like scrounged together a couple bucks for like four orders of rice because it was <laughs> all we could afford. <laughs> and we would like, you know, watch hockey games and like do some like very low level crimes <laughs> <laughs> and just eat carbs. And like that was my teenage years. Like it was nothing too exciting. So you were self conscious about your weight on top of having the confidence of being on TV, but were there ever times during that where you were like, no, I want to lose weight now, and people were like, no, we don't want you to because that's what we like like you for, if it's a right way to ask that question. Like, were there times where you felt like you had to stay your um, your stay your size? My gigantic self. Yeah, because that, <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I, I think that's a, that's a really good question. It was more, it, it was... It was uh, mostly sort of uh, implied to me that if you, as a heavy guy who's like funny and has some work, you're you're in a small pool. It's basically like you are a type, and for your type, there are a couple other people that you are going to go against as far as auditions go. And if you are to lose weight, you're sort of opening yourself up to like just an average dude. And then that's hundreds of guys that will look like you and basically you're fighting for parts. But inevitably, and like it's, I've, I've talked about this before, the bigger person, especially when I was growing up, which was like late 90s, early 2000s, was sort of relegated to two parts, which was the bully or the best friend. And I had done that, mm -hmm. done it as Robe, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> did it on Drake and Josh, even though to the Drake and Josh writer's credit, they never took the easy fat joke. Right. And I think partly because the creator of the show was a bigger guy. So he like he was was understanding of that and felt like, A, that's fucking low hanging fruit. Like it's super easy. And B, like he and if you remember the show, he did a beautiful balance of like Josh is nerdy and chubby, but he's also like super smart and funny. And Drake is like super cool and musical, but he's kind of dumb <laughs> and like really actually needs Josh in most situations, which I think like led to a great balance on the show. So I remember at like 17 years old thinking I've done I did this movie called Mean Creek, which is the meme of me. Oh, yeah. Screaming yes. on the boat. Familiar with it. Great meme. <laughs> great movie. And it was actually this little indie movie that won Sundance about my character who was like this really misunderstood bully type kid and uh, and sort of this drama that happens around this character's experience. And I just remember doing that and feeling like, okay, I did it. I found the one great sort of role for someone like me in the body that I'm in, but I don't want to wait another 10 years for something like this to come my way. So that was sort of the beginning of my journey of, of losing the weight. And was it hard? Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. You look amazing. You look amazing, Matt. You always have, like, the perfect glow to your skin. It always looks like you came back from, like, the Bahamas. <laughs> Judaism. Am I right, Mike? I guess, yeah. I guess. I'm like, a half Sephardic, so. Oh, yeah, that's that olive skin tone. Sephardic, What's a Sephardic? That's, like, there's, like, two types of Jews. Sephardic are, like, the cooler Jews from, like, countries like, uh, Morocco. Syria, Morocco, Egypt, Jordan, like the Middle Eastern, dark skin, Mediterranean Jews. Okay, and there's then there's Ashkenazi. Ashkenazi. Which is I know like that one. The nerdy Woody Allen, <laughs> like you guys from Poland who are scared of everything, and like the, like so. Josh is is has the both sides. He's got the best of both worlds. Um, where he's got the smarts and the intelligence of an Ashkenazi Jew, but the cool, hip, personable. Good looks of a Sephardic Jew. So. Yeah, you look You're, amazing. Thank you so much. Are you still I, working out? I can't keep this ruse going oh. anymore. I go to a tanning bed every now and then. <laughs> I really do. 
How many yeah, man. I, I still I, I still work out every every day because I, I can't. But I eat, I eat like a, a pig half the time, so I could probably be in better shape if I had a bit of a better meal plan. But I found a way to sustain having somewhat of a dad bod and eating what I want. So You have a stud bod right now. I don't see a dad bod on you at God all. God bless you, Matt King. Speaking of stud bods, look at this. The two of you, I mean, guys, you should videotape this. You're such eye candy. <laughs> Think how, so? How is this just an audio medium? <laughs> we're we're, we're going to be switching to video pretty soon. Yeah, we are. We are. We're just we're starting out right now. But you have to come back though when we do do video because we got to show people these gorgeous looks. Obviously, but Matt, a body. Okay, let me tell you guys. In case like you've been living under a rock and you're not familiar with Matt King's physical aesthetics, <laughs> you have the body of like a Viking who's like a Viking swimmer. Like you've you've got that long long legs long torso. <laughs> I've seen you in some brand deals where you've had your shirt off. And good God, sir, what's that feel like? It feels good. I just started hitting the gym like hardcore about two years ago. Mm. I was like pretty pretty skinny. Toothpick now, would be a word. To toothpick would be a great word to describe me. And I haven't been, now lately. I've been getting these compliments where like, are you a swimmer? Like David's mom saw me at his house the other day. He was like, Matt, what are you a swimmer? I was yeah. like, no. She goes, you look like it. But I think it's because I like never do leg day, and now I'm just looking like a, a big triangle. Which but is the goal. It really is. That's like my ideal physique is just looking like a huge triangle. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, let's go in order. Everyone say the uh, sort of pinnacle male body that they wish that they could have. Mike, let's start with you. Brad Pitt in Fight Club. Ideal. Very ideal. Shredded, yeah. lean, Beautiful. Mine would probably be Mark Wahlberg, Calvin Klein, Ooh, nice. 1992. Oh, yeah. Nice. But I don't think I'll ever get there because I'm taller than Mark Wahlberg. Like, I don't mm. think we're, like, on the same type of physique. So I, I think I could potentially get to, like, Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps and I are similar heights. We're both ectomorphs, similar metabolisms. But if I could have any, like, magic wand physique, yeah. Mark Wahlberg, Calvin Klein. Incredible. And Josh Peck, your answer? I would say the easy one is like Channing Tatum, Money Mike, but that's not my truth. Money Ma Mike? Magic Mike? Magic, magic Mike? Oh, Magic Mike. <laughs> Money Mike's my friend's younger brother. Or, so. yeah, or that's, that's Mike's nickname just every day as being my manager. <laughs> it's my Jewish rap name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Follow my friend's younger brother, Money Mike. Um, uh, mine is Tom Hardy in that, what's that fight movie he did with Joel Edgerton? Uh, warrior. Oh, Warrior. Oh. Because... I think it's because Tom Hardy at his core is a thick boy like me. Mm -hmm. And thus, I feel like when he gets in shape, it's like beautifully chiseled. But there's like a little bit like Brad Pitt in Fight Club is gorgeous, but almost too thin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's my starting point, though. So that's what I can aspire to be. Fair. <laughs> but Tom, Tom Hardy, when he gets in shape. I don't know everything about Tom. He's great, he's a brilliant actor. He vapes. It's just like. <laughs> Have you met him? No, I don't even know what I would. I, I don't know what I would do. Yeah, but you love his physique. I love a good physique. There are times though when I see Scott when he has his shirt off. I'm like, can I just touch that pec? That's good. It's just some thick, thick hard meat under there. Yeah, it's like, a, I, a lot I, of Have meat. you touched Scott's pecs? I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I've 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 danced around. You should make a video since. that's just Josh Peck touching Scott's pecs. T touching all pecs. Josh yeah, pecs. you you touching pecs. You know, really. I, I I ironically tore my pec. My oh no! In a uh, in a terrible bench pressing accident go wrong, and I'm on the operating table as we're about to repair it, and I hear a murmur go across the OR, and they're like, Josh Peck. Doris Beck. <laughs> and I said, I'm sorry, are we in the Giggle Hut? <laughs> Is this a fucking comedy seller? Get it together. <laughs> like, how, long, to, how long ago did this happen? Uh, There's like a, is that a scar? Or is yeah. This, oh, wow. they, well, because they, they uh, repaired it. So they had to cut it right there and then reattach it to my arm. Did you not have a spotter? I did, but it wasn't. It wasn't about that. It He's not your spotter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk. You're just benching too hard. Benching too much, and I went. I basically, I, I had been trained in a specific way to like allow the bar to hit your chest, which many people feel like is the standard. Like you have to bring the bar to your mm -hmm. chest and then push it back up. But if uh, something broke down in my form to where my arms were a little bit too far back, so then when I went to push it back up. 
my muscle couldn't handle the weight and it just popped. Oof. And I heard it. It sounded like a towel ripping. And then it immediately goes back and then does it, what was the recovery process from that? Like Your pec is like a fan over your, your breast. Like it, it looks like, it's kind of like a fan so that when it snaps off of your arm, it just shoots into your, so it just looked like a bulge in my chest. No! This is and a nightmare. It was gross. It was so sickening. And I remember I wasn't going to have it fixed because I had heard that it's not one of those injuries that you necessarily have to have fixed. And luckily I'd had some athletes, like my wife's family, they're, you know, professional athletes and whatnot. And they all looked at me and they were like, are you an idiot? This must be repaired. <laughs> and I'm glad I did. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, and y- your lady, mm. your sweet lady Paige. She's the best. She's the best. You She's guys have people. now been married for almost three years. Almost three years. And how long were you guys together before you got married? Uh, we were together five years. We've been together coming up on nine years. Wow. I know. Where did you meet? Makes no sense. Wait, nine years? Eight years. Eight years. We met at a Halloween party uh, not far from here, about a mile and a half. Uh-huh. And we shouldn't have met because neither of us belonged at that party, and yet we did. What was your costume? I wish I had a better answer. I was just like a waiter. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I asked her for her phone number. For her and order. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and her order sounded right up my alley, and... Yeah, I w- she was 20 and I was 24. Wow. And Paige is the nicest person ever. We, like, hit it off every time I talk to her. We she loves have, like, you. The best conversation. She loves you, Mike, and so does her sister, yes, Blake. Yes. But don't you hit on her. I, this is, no. <laughs> keep it all, keep it all You don't want him here. hitting on Blake. But Not Paige you was either, trying Matt. To, Paige was trying to set me up with her sister <laughs> a while ago. her sister would be lucky to date either of you or both of you at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> But her family, is, they're athletes? Her dad or? played in the NFL for 10 years. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Were you, like, intimidated by that when you first started dating? You're like, I'm Mr. Showbiz kid, and I have to go to this family of athletes? Are you a big sports fan? Or No, I was so intimidated. <laughs> her brother and dad were playing catch in the front yard the oh. second time I went to pick her up. And they're both quarterbacks, and her dad in the NFL, her brother for, like, a D1 you know, for Fresno State. So they don't play catch like us. No. <laughs> and I was like, they're going to throw it to me. I know it. <laughs> oh, that is my nightmare. So I got on the phone as I walked in the house. And I was like, sorry, guys, I'm on the phone. Like, <laughs> it'd be ridiculous for you to throw it to me. Hold on a second. <laughs> oh, I, and they didn't, thank God. Because I'm like, I'm going to bobble this. If I bobble this, it's all over. Oh, my Since God. Since I've bobbled a crap load of what should have been, like, easy completions... And luckily, I'm just like, yeah, but like, I, you know, I gave you a grandkid. So what are you going to say? <laughs> are they seeing Max and they're like, oh, he's got he's got good form here. This is this is our genes here. My we got to set him on the field as soon as possible. Mike can attest, right? Like the Jews, we like to populate with other Jews. Right. <laughs> right. Like and a Jewish parents dream for the most part is for you to make Jewish babies with another Jewish person. But. My wife and her beautiful Irish Catholic athletic genetics has given my son a real shot (laughs) at being more than just like a writer on The Daily Show. (laughs) Uh, That's so great. And has it been fun being a father? Was it everything you expected? Or have there been days you're like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? No, it's everything, and I feel corny saying it, but it's just every colloquialism or, like, platitude that people tell you about kids and the meaning they give your life is utterly true. Mm-hmm. And the moment you have them, if you are... I always say this. I remember a woman once said to me, you know what I say about kids? They'll ruin your life, <laughs> but it's worth it. <laughs> and I was like, I don't agree at all. In the sense of, if you have a kid and you're still really into brunch... Or, you know, going to some fancy, like going to the Soho house on a Tuesday night just because. Yeah. Then, yeah, kids will utterly, you know, screw up your thing. But if you're like, I did a lot of that. I can still work. I can still have a social life to an extent. But also I have like this cool new thing that's always there that the more I give to it, the more I get out of it. Like if that's your thing, which it was for me. Having a kids is just great. It's just super fun. Oh, 
I would love to have a kid. Is there <laughs> being being a dad now as someone who didn't grow up with a dad? Mm. Have you made specific notes in your head from when you were a kid of saying like, well, when I become a dad, I'm going to do this, this and that. Or are you just naturally coming into tendencies that you're finding now? Great question. I um I don't. I was in fear of how I would be as a father. And I'm an uh, actor artist type, which makes me inherently self-focused. Some might call just selfish. Mm. So I was nervous about all of those things. I think that's right on, Mike. I I uh, I definitely was intimidated by the idea of it, but somehow my brother gave me. Uh, I have like a big brother from the the good old Jewish Big Brothers Foundation. Oh wow! There's a Jewish Big Brother Foundation. There's we, a Jewish everything, but not everybody knows about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got Jewish bakeries. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but and he's been in my life since I was eight, and so I just call him my brother. But he said to me, and he's got like this thick Boston ac- accent. When I was asking him his advice, he's like, "Josh, man, all I can tell you is it comes naturally. Like it's just in your genetic makeup. You will know how to take care of this kid, and it's revealed itself to be true. And if anything, having this kid has made me really feel bad for my dad that he missed out on everything, mm. which is like some weird full circle. I mean, I still hate him." But no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but it, yeah, I mean, to, the idea that I would have missed out on this time with Max would have been, would have killed me, you know. But you know, it is what it is. Who in the friend group? Ooh, this is a fun question. Who amongst the friend group do you think has a child first? Ooh, that's a good question. Right like, now, it's now Jason a and lot me. of the dynamics have changed. I feel like yeah, a lot of things are things. Are I changing. would say Heath, Heath and Mariah. Yeah, Heath and Mariah. They just right. have a really good relationship. I'm not saying they're going to be having a baby tomorrow, but I think they have a really good foundation of themselves as a couple and where that's headed. So, if I had to put money on it, Heath is probably having a little baby of Hussar first. Who and do you then think last? Last, Todd. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, I could see Todd, but then I could also see Todd having an unexpected kid. Yeah. <laughs> like he's either number two or he's the last one. I think I think it's David. You think it's David? Be the last. Mm. Ooh. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, I mean, he's still so young, though, that you don't know what he's going to be like when he's 28. Where, you know, if he might, because we know how he sees kids now as a distraction, basically. Yeah. And <laughs> he's not a guy to include distractions in his life, but. I mean, yeah, you're, I think you're kind of right. David could be the last one, but I don't know. He's just got to find the right girl first. But none of us ever know who really David is dating. I, I think we, we shouldn't let that go unexplored. But <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I think he's so calculating that, like, I, I think that he loves kids and would have a family. But I just think that if it didn't happen for 20 years that it in no way would he feel like if, like Seinfeld, right? Like Seinfeld was like, I got to go do my show and become like the biggest comedian in the world. And then when I'm in my 40s and crushed it, I'll have three kids and I won't feel bad that maybe had I done it earlier, it would have been cooler and better. And Right. So that's what I see. And I, I see Corinna and Todd in the same way that if like the opportunity presents himself, <laughs> presents itself yeah. to like level up with a kid, <laughs> they're down to clown. Yeah. yeah. Well, besides uh, uh, raising a beautiful child into this world, uh, what are you working on right now? I Is it true that you're working on a Turner and Hooch? Yeah. Reboot? Disney Plus. Whoa. Yes. You got the Disney Plus. Can you believe that? I is you, Matt is, King of a fan of the Disney Plus? I mean, uh, I'm a big fan of the Disney Plus. I pay for it. I love putting on Pinocchio before I go to bed. Stop it's like the it. perfect. Oh, dude, it's the best film to put on right before you go to bed. Stop it! It's like right when now. you wish upon a star, and it's so soft. No, the, the action doesn't really pick up in Pinocchio until like much later on. So by the time that happens, you're asleep. How are you single? I'm not single. Oh, wait, you're not. Yeah, I got a C- girlfriend. Cut that out. Wait, no. you, you have a girlfriend? <laughs> yeah, I do. How she feel about Pinocchio? Uh, She doesn't mind it. <laughs> she doesn't mind it. She's more of a Netflix gal, but I like the Disney Plus. Actually, I gave her my Disney Plus when we first started dating so I could earn like extra points. Like I came over to her house. I'm like, oh, you don't have Disney Plus? I'll give you my login info. Now you do. But now I'm going to prioritize your show at the top. So she'll be watching it. Wow. So if you guys break up, what do you do? Change the password. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but you're basically playing what? Tom Hanks's character? Or yeah. is it a whole new different character? I'm playing Tom Hanks's character in theory, but in the reboot, I'm his son. 
oh, okay. Have you reached out to Tom? Been like, yo, we need to do some like character development work together. Can I just pick your brain about the? <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, granted, I feel like if I needed to talk to Tom Hanks, I'd ask you because I feel like your connection to famous people is high level. <laughs> I mean, I've met Tom Hanks, but he's not in my. I didn't even know he met Tom Hanks. <laughs> oh yeah. Listen to that humble brag. Me and, oh, Tommy. Oh yeah, we go way back. Tell us everything. How'd you do that? I kind of don't want to go into it. Oh, I know, Matt. You don't want to go into it, but you've got you've got the you'll uh, episode fifty. Yeah, these stories are coming out. Okay, well, back to back to your, but but back to Turner and Hooch though. Have you met the dog yet? Are you going to the the casting calls for the dogs? I have not gone. I I met a dog that was used for my audition because I auditioned with a actual animal, a real uh-huh. dog. Um, but I. I'm trying to think. No, I mean, the real dog now is, like, being trained up in Vancouver where we're going to shoot, so. Well, you guys better start collaborating soon. You're going to be his new master. We've been FaceTiming, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'll just rub peanut butter all over my hands, yeah. and I think he'll love me instantly. You're not allergic, though, right? Like I, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. They're like, Josh, we casted you for this, and you didn't tell us you were allergic. I am not. I'm not allergic, but I am terrified that, like, you know, no one's allergic until like the dog licks them in the face a thousand times, yeah. and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, a little rash going on there. So I think I'll be fine. But oh. I'm excited. I mean, it's. I think it's really cool to inherit this role from someone like him. I would love. I've met. I too have met Tom Hanks once. And it was at a birthday party, and he just was everything you'd want and more. Oh, he's the sweetest. I saw him giving a toast at a birthday party once, and it was the most naturally well-spoken he's unreal. thing ever. I was like, how how does he do it? He, I don't know if you had this experience, but I what I loved was, forgive me for this story because I'm already cringing telling it. I did a show with John Stamos, so I became friends with him because God is good. And... <laughs> And so he, because we're friends, he invited me to his birthday party where there happened to be some lovely, wonderfully famous people such as Tom Hanks himself. Now, I would imagine someone who's like the penultimate actor, American icon, world icon like Tom would understand that it might be slightly intimidating for a mere mortal such as us three (laughs) to approach someone like that. So he does it for you. I was at the party and... I think, and from what John tells me, he just asked John my name because he saw me there and, you know, he, uh, there weren't a lot of people there. And he was nice enough to come over and be like, Josh, hey, I'm Tom. Great to meet you. Like, wow. And I was like, God bless you, Tom Hanks. Like, he just made it so easy, whereas under normal circumstances, I probably would have been a little too intimidated to approach. Wow. He's really good at being a famous person. Mm-hmm. Is what? that That's the move, yeah. right? Yeah. When you're him? When I met him, he had a cold, and so he didn't want to shake my hand, so we, like, touched elbows together. And he even was, like, he was like just better. put out, like, a little chicken wing. It was, like, nice to meet you, and we rubbed elbows. Well, you, Josh, you've got kind of a cool, like, multi-generational career where you were in the old world of, like, television media, Nickelodeon, and, you know, did the big movies, and now you're coming into, like, the YouTube space. I'm curious, can you talk about what it's like having fans back then versus having them now as like a YouTuber is much more in control of your own voice and narrative and what that experience is like? Um, I think that it's funny, right? Because the disparity as it used to be the way when we grew up between TV and film was huge, right? Movie stars were something and TV stars were people that you let into your house. Mm -hmm. And so you felt like you had a special connection with them. And I think... I, I remember I, I was lucky enough to interview Zach Braff for my pod and he told this great story about, and I don't know who had told him this, but something to the effect of like Russell Crowe and George Clooney in the 90s were on a flight and they were getting off the flight and George could see everyone kind of whispering to each other like, oh my God, that's Russell Crowe, that's Russell Crowe. And then they saw George and went, George! Oh. Like, because he was on ER yeah. and he was a TV star at that time and people felt way more comfortable kind of approaching him than what was like the person they saw on the big screen. Mm-hmm. And I think that is has doubled or tripled with social media and especially YouTube. And people that, you know, I look up to in, in this business as far as like, you know, people like David and and all and Liza is so good at this it's like they've really invited people into their lives and they've 
they've made sure that they remember that the people that watch them have given them this opportunity and thus like they owe their audience everything. And I remember specifically, I think I can tell this story. I think I've told this story before. I remember when, when David and Liza broke up and David had, you know, and we kind of knew before the world knew as, as the friend group. Right. Right. And I remember David mentioning something to the effect of like Liza and I are just trying to sort of decide what's the best way to go public with the fact that we're not together anymore. And me just being like the the wanting to be like the protective older brother friend was like, dude, it's your relationship. Like you don't know anyone anything. Like yeah. just do what's right for you guys. And he looked at me like I was crazy. Like he was like, What? He said, No everyone's been with us through this journey Mm -hmm. of us like falling in love and being together. Like we owe them closure to like let people understand that like it's all on good terms. And unfortunately this is just like part of life, but like we owe the audience uh, an explanation. And I remember in that moment feeling like, wow, like you understand this at a level that I just don't. Mm -hmm. And to his credit and, and Liza's credit, they did it beautifully And I think that speaks to this next social media YouTube generation that all of sort of the veils and the mystery of, of in quote celebrity or people that perform are gone. And there's like a true connection. And the beauty of that is, is that those people are down to clown. They are with you Mm -hmm. to the end. They'll follow you for your videos. They'll buy a book that you write. They'll watch you. If you do a movie, whatever they're like, if you're good to us, we'll be good to you. Is that, am I right? Do you're you, completely right. Do you echo and that? You, no, I completely echo it entirely. And I think you have done such a beautiful job as being someone that we've grown up with on TV and now being online and welcoming us into that uh, perspective, I guess, if that's right. And um, I am just so proud of you and seeing how far your career has gone. From being, you know, just that boy on snow day. Oh, man. To now this beautiful man sitting with me right now and being on this podcast. I'm uh, Listen, I'm honored. Matt, you are, first of all, b- beyond your great talent, your swimmer body, the amount of brand, do- brand deals you do is... <laughs> is awe-inspiring <laughs> and Thank i think you. and i think it's much to do with the fact that you like and i think people when they want to approach you to possibly work with them half of it is the incredible professional silence of your brilliant manager mike sheffer amen amen but it's also has to do with like they're like yeah like this guy has built an audience who knows that like they are following someone of value that they can trust that will never let them down. I'm blushing. They're oh in. my God, stop it. They want into the. Do you have a fandom name? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the Matt Kingdom. The Matt Kingdom. Oh, there it is. wow, that's great. <laughs> the <laughs> Matt Kingdom, and we're all, what are we, peasants? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Serfs in yeah. the yeah. Matt Kingdom. Royalty when you're in the Matt Kingdom. You're part of the Truly. royalty, baby. Oh, yeah, we're in the royal family. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Um, is there anything else that you want to plug or talk about? It's 635. I know you said you had to get out of here at 630. Uh, no, I mean, I think I'm good. I'd rather talk about you guys. I, I feel gross talking about myself this much. Well, you should invite me onto your podcast. Perfect. Even though I'm not up to par with as Zach Braff and John Stamos. <laughs> Listen, those were just good weeks. <laughs> Trust me. Well, no. when you hit a low, let me know. What is it? Is, so is the pod like, are you going to interview mostly people on social media or is the spectrum broad? Oh, it will branch out yeah, entirely. I mean, like, yeah. yeah, no, anybody's up for grabs. It's just people that we know and people we want to sit down and have conversations with. What's the next? What's like the Matt King dream? Oh, well, I think right now we're kind of in the Matt King 2.0 because for so long I wasn't posting on YouTube and I wasn't doing that because I was just doing a lot of like self-improvement on my own time. What's but that yeah, look like, your self-improvement? My self-improvement, what that's looked like. Look I think, at this body, baby. Yeah, it's my body. I think it's a lot of giving, my, getting myself in, you know, mentally fit and physically fit. Mm. That was like a big space I needed to really focus on because – Dude, I went through a breakup. I was like depressed for a while and I really had to take a step back and look at myself and figure out what my role and my voice and kind of what I want to see happen in my own reality. So, I mean, right now it's focusing on this podcast and doing YouTube and then seeing where that goes. And the possibilities are endless. I mean, you couldn't predict I would be here today 
you know, five years ago. So who knows where I can be five years from now? Right. I think it's just trust myself and uh, doing what I love at the best that I can, you know? I love it. Mike, what's going on with you, baby? I mean, things are good. I have one of my best friends in the world, Matt King, who's so kind to do a podcast with me on it, which is like the most incredible blessing I could ever ask for. And then I have Josh Peck sitting oh, on my couch. Oh, stop it, Mike. You beauty. You have great questions. You. This is a really good balance. Thank you. Thank you. I really like I, I like the, the dynamic you guys got going on here. Thank you. And it's, we're still very new at this, so you're seeing us like right at our infancy stage. So you got to come back when we're like. Yeah, we're going to get video. We're going to up the production quality. But we wanted to start with people that we really could trust and like who would trust us to do something that we're, you know, we're just starting out and feel comfortable and exploring what this could be. And. Honestly, just super thankful that you're here to do this with us right now. Thank you. I love you guys for asking. We love me. you, Josh. And I want to brainstorm, and you don't have to stick to it, but I love one universal question that you ask all guests. I was thinking of that. Yeah, because like Pete Holmes always does, what was the last thing that made you laugh or the last time you laughed the hardest? Yeah. And uh, I don't know, what should my universal question be, Josh? Going out now, you don't have to stick to it, don't feel pressure. It can be anything. I have one, but wait, I, wait, I, wait, this, this is, maybe we could each have our own. Okay. Mine mm. is, what are you excited for in the future? Or what, what about the future excites you? What are you looking forward to? Something along those lines. Give me some optimism about what's going to come. Mm. I, yeah, I think for me it's just to, like, it's so corny, but just to, like, be a good dad. Like, I just really, you know, whenever you hear people have a kid and all of a sudden they're like, what are you aspiring to be? It's like, just want to be, you know, good father and good husband and then, you know, uh, the rest will come. But yeah, I just, yeah, I don't want to fuck up this kid. I think that would be like a real bummer. But, you know, I, and it doesn't mean that you become any less sort of motivated, but you just, I don't know, I feel motivated for the right reasons and I think it'll be cool. And, and it's weirdly one of those things of if you take care of like your number one directive, the rest sort of follows. So I feel like if I'm being a good dad, I'm in the right headspace and I'm doing the right thing in all my endeavors. And that, that's cute. That, that was beautiful, Josh. No, but like, I want more questions. Oh, what, okay. You I, want more questions? No, not for me, for you. Okay. Like what's your, what's your uh, question? That, and it can, it, Mike, obviously, that was beautifully no, insightful. I know, I know. I've been trying to think. I didn't even listen to your responses the whole time. I'm sitting here trying to think of a good question. Make it, make it silly, Goose. I'll think of one. Uh, who was your first kiss? Oh, Evan Rachel Wood. <laughs> no what? way. Yeah, you weren't expecting no that, were you? Your first kiss was Evan Rachel Wood. Okay, what? let me qualify. <laughs> whoa, whoa, hold whoa. on. Yeah. I'm, like, shifting my whole body yeah, in the couch right now. your seatbelts. This just... Wait, so what year was this? Was this like Little Secrets, Evan Rachel Wood? Do you remember that movie where she played the was violin? Was she like seven? <laughs> uh, I don't know. She was probably ten, but was it your first kiss around when you were ten? I remember, man, I was fat. Yes, <laughs> but you were on TV still. I was I was 16. She knows this, by the way, because I, uh, I wouldn't qualify this had I not talked about it before and that she caught me talking about it. Um, but no, I, was, I used to go to acting school with Evan and a bunch of like very cool, successful kids who became like good actors like um may whitman and penn yes. badgley and like people like that i really respect and, and friends and we all grew up you know we were like around the same age going to this acting class so we became friends and there would be parties and i remember at 16 years old playing spin the bottle at a party that evan happened to be at and i wow. spun that bottle or maybe she spun it i think she spun it and it landed on me and i just remember thinking Evan, if you run out of here and never look back, I would not blame you. But bless her, she we had a lovely little smooch. She did not she made me feel great. It was like the first like real like like a substantial kiss of my life and I just remember feeling very appreciative that she was generous enough. Wow. To kiss your boy. Wow. Josh yeah. Peck. Josh Peck pulling out all the stops. Thank God. Just continuing to be a legend in every way. I yes. just would have been sad if my first kiss with, was with a civilian. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but oh. yeah. Well, thank you. I'm so glad that that's the response I got for my big question. <laughs> I don't think any other guest will be able to top that. You never know, all. perhaps. But yeah, thank you, Evan. That was very, very nice of you. <laughs> Shout out to Evan. Have well, you talked to her about this since that fateful day? I Unfortunately, I think I did mention it not thinking in a YouTube video and like some... 
you know, silly gossipy thing picked it up. Like I, I think it was like some gossip Twitter account and she saw it. And I remember she like tweeted something about it. Like I didn't realize that, but great. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, cool. That's all. That's all I needed. (laughs) Great. Well, I love you, Josh. Thank you so much for coming on. It really means a lot. Love you guys. Thank you.